0: Welcome, listeners, to Out of the Box with your host, Jonathan Russo. As usual, today, we'll be continuing our series Through the Marxist Lens with Professor Clyde Barrow. Today's episode will focus on a topic front and center in the news. Why and how the COVID-19 vaccine and mask response to the pandemic got politicized. How did a fairly straightforward batch of health protocols, once seemingly standard fare, become so contentious? Republican Governor of Florida Ron DeSantis and Texas Governor Greg Abbott have been ranting and raving about personal choice and freedom while their hospitals and morgues fill up with the latest infected citizens with a Delta variant. They seem almost gleefully defiant in the face of tragedy unfolding all around them. I know Karl Marx would not stoop to lower his intellectual self and write about such a small topic as capitalism and pandemics, but I hope Professor Barrow will do us a favor and give our listeners his take on why and how two strong, ostensibly rational governors would put illness and death over common sense. Professor Barrow, what would Marx have to say to those wondering how the GOP politicized the mask and vaccine rollout?
1: Well, that's a a really interesting puzzle uh, that we've chosen to address today. And as you pointed out, you know, Marx himself never faced a pandemic, so there's nothing we could look to in his writings that would be directly pertinent to this particular issue. Right. But I think that, but but he did write about many, many contemporary issues. Let's not forget that Marx himself uh, deployed his theoretical apparatus as a journalist for, for many, many years, uh, right. both across Europe and even for the New York uh, Tribune or the New York Herald uh, in the United States. So... He was not above writing about commonplace, everyday political issues. But I think probably the best way uh, to think about this is to draw on the works of of two contemporary neo-Marxists, both Germans, Klaus Offa and Jürgen Habermas, who happen to be two of my favorite political theorists of the present time. And what I would suggest is that the way to understand this is the emerging contradictions of capitalism. And if you'll bear with me, let me kind of walk you through this just a little bit.
0: We're going to bear with you. Please walk us through it. You've done this before, and it's fascinating, and I, I, I'm i always riveted by how you do this. So go ahead, please. Okay. Well, as you
1: know, Marx argued that capitalism is a fundamentally contradictory system, that it generates its own, it creates its own grave diggers, as he wrote in the Communist Manifesto, and he analyzed that much more extensively uh, in his major work, Das Kapital, where he talks about the economic contradictions of capitalism. But since that time, we've, we've come to realize that, that these contradictions surface in a lot of different places. They get displaced into the political sphere. They get displaced into the ideological sphere. And one of the things I really want to talk about is ideology today. Uh, OFA defines a contradiction in this way. He says it's the tendency inherent in a specific mode of production to destroy the very preconditions on which its survival depends. And that contradictions manifest themselves empirically through some crisis event that becomes perceptible as a crisis. So I think we could argue uh, that the pandemic is a crisis. Yeah. Uh, And the question would then be, well, how does this biological event translate into a crisis of capitalism? And this, I think, is where people like Ron DeSantis and Greg Abbott see the world very differently from the rest of us. And they see themselves as trying to save capitalism from itself. Now, we've talked about that with respect to the New Deal and Joe Biden, but this is a concept that can apply from the other direction of the ideological spectrum as well. How are they trying to save capitalism from itself? Well, one of the things about a contradiction is that it appears as a crisis. What is a crisis? A crisis, according to OFA, is more than just a problem. We can fix problems, we can solve problems. (laughs) A crisis occurs when all of the available options within that mode of production have been exhausted and that political leaders can no longer find solutions to the problem without going beyond the boundaries of that mode of production, which in capitalism would mean you start looking for socialist solutions to the problem whether you like it or not, because it's all that's available to you. And so if you look at it through the eyes of a Greg Abbott or Ron DeSantis, what do they see? They see the pandemic as an opportunity for socialists in the Democratic Party to promote their socialist parties left and right. Talk about a universal basic income, family allowances, extended and enhanced unemployment insurance, Free healthcare. You go on and on down the road that all the solutions that are being proposed are taking us down a road that they view as
0: socialistic, including so, the limitation of personal quote freedom. Like exactly, that, the exactly.
1: So what they're trying to do is put the brakes on this drive to socialism wow. to save capitalism from its for itself, uh, in effect. Uh, now. This also brings to bear another issue. We tend to think about capitalism as an economic system, but one of the things people like Jurgen Habermas point out is that part of the prerequisites of capitalism are cultural, they're ideological. It's what he refers to as a motivation crisis. And the most fundamental cultural attribute necessary to reproduce a capitalist economy is a work ethic. People have to want to show up to work. <laughs> or be compelled to, and of course, one of the complaints we're hearing now about all these socialistic policies is that people don't want to work anymore. And so his argument is, by trying to solve this problem in the short term, you're undermining the long-term cultural foundations of a capitalist system, and therefore, all of this talk about personal responsibility, talk about the work ethic. And so their argument would be, we need people to go to work and, and keep in mind that their pandemic policies are tied to other things. These are also the first states that cut back on the enhanced yes. unemployment, who got rid of the extended unemployment. So there is a rationale to what they're doing. And it's all about trying to
0: salvage and save capitalism from this drive toward socialism. Wow. Wow. You know what this sort of reminds me of? I've been long fascinated by, like, the ancient Aztec practice of sacrificing humans to um, weather gods so that there would be rainfall for the crops and the general population could survive. In a sense, what you're saying is to keep capitalism on its even keel in Florida and Texas, these governors are willing to sacrifice some people to COVID-19 death on an ideological basis, hoping that the gods of capitalism will remain uh, happy and you know, foster uh, goodwill on their states. Is that like correct?
1: That's absolutely correct, and they've been very clear about that. Keep in mind that this sort of free market ideology that they espouse has historically always been linked to a doctrine of social Darwinism. They view the marketplace in the same way that Darwin saw nature, its survival of the fittest. Uh, It's a law of natural selection. And so their view of it is that if you don't take the personal responsibility to save yourself as an individual, well, tough luck. That's the law of the jungle. That's the way the system works. You know, just yesterday, Greg Abbott was out there reiterating yet again, everybody knows what they need to do. He says, Uh I'm not going to mandate it. You know, you need to wear a mask. You know, you need to socially distance. You know, you need to get a vaccine. So if you don't do it, and you get sick, well, that's on you. That's not on the state.
0: Right. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty harsh, you know, because the message has been, in fact, this is silly and we don't know if it works and this is not necessary. It sounds like he's covering his tracks. Well, we don't want to get too political on a daily level. But so, Mark's this is a fascinating uh, analysis. So they're trying to save the long term goals. Of capitalism by the methods that 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 you're talking about, not having the state and not having socialist policies, is this really like bedrock Republicanism now?
1: Well, this is a tradition within the conservatism and the Republican Party that goes well back in the history. In fact, even C. Wright Mills, a kind of proto-market. Yeah talks about this in The Power Elite, where he refers to this ultra-conservative wing of what he calls utopian capitalists. And he even calls them the crazies of the conservatives, the crazy capitalists, these people who live in the sort of ideological utopia of a free-market capitalist system and then who make decisions based within this doctrinaire view of the world— and their argument was, and it always leads to disaster because as we know, capitalism doesn't work according to the textbook. It doesn't look anything like the capitalism
0: we learn about in econ one oh one. There must also be a bit of a class and racist um bias in this. Like you mentioned many podcasts ago, you know, how if the mistresses of the the wealthy elite in texas or louisiana wanted to have an abortion you know they would just fly to massachusetts and get one it was only the poor people that couldn't afford a a plane fare out and an abortion out of state were going to be subjected to the you know restrictions that these conservatives were putting on abortion isn't there an element, unfortunately, of both racial and economic injustice here? I don't think that the one percenters are dying at the same level that the minorities and the impoverished are in, in Texas or in Florida. You would assume that that is correct, right?
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. And I'm going to go back to this notion of ideology. You know, when I said that that a crisis has exhausted all available options, it doesn't mean that it's exhausted every objectively available option, it means that it has exhausted all the options available to you within that ideological framework that allows you to see the world. Now, in that respect, I would argue that people like DeSantis and Greg Abbott don't even see COVID. In fact, yesterday they gave us a real insight into what they see. What they see is immigrants, right? Yesterday, Greg Abbott was blaming the entire Surge in the state of Texas on immigrants flooding across the border, bringing this disease with them. You know, poor, helpless, destitute people bringing their filth and their disease across the border. And then, of course, Ron DeSantis, who's not within a thousand miles of the border, <laughs> is echoing the same point. So their argument is it's not a COVID problem, it's an immigration problem, it's a poor problem. That's part of it. The other thing is, and this is a long-standing move with Republicans in these states as well, it's an urban problem. You know, it's these liberal Democrats that control the cities in places like Florida and places like Texas, and we're having to restrain them from these socialistic policies. So it's a war against the cities. Well, when you're talking about a war against immigrants and cities, who are you talking about? You're talking about the working class, you're talking about Hispanics, you're talking about African Americans and Asians, you're talking about poor people, so in many respects you can see these kind of ultra-conservative policies as part of a class war against the poor, the working class, and ethnic minorities. <clears throat>
0: What's the expression, never let a good crisis go to waste? So what you're saying is ideologically these governors are letting, not letting this crisis go to waste. They're making further inroads into uh, anti-immigrant, anti-poor, anti-urban, anti-liberal philosophies. Wow. Yeah, and they certainly
1: see this as politically advantageous. I think what they're not seeing, and this is how ideology can often blind one to reality, is that at least in Texas— the COVID infection rates on a per capita basis are actually highest in rural areas. Yes. Right around. And these are the Republican Party supporters. These are the, the Trump voters. So in an ironic twist, they're killing off their own voter base.
0: That seems to be coming out pretty loud and clear. I've actually read blogs uh, that are, you know, social Darwinism on the other side. There are people out there voicing like, okay this is social darwinism we're going to kill off the stupid the, the non scientific and these people are just going to you know get hospitalized and die and they're going to be less of them this is what you know darwin would have predicted uh, on a social basis uh, for the the gene pool to get smarter down the road i mean they, uh, that is being voiced you know it uh, is uh,
1: and let me tell you uh, go i'm ahead. going to throw out another book here by a historian <laughs> by the name of, of william william green i think it's one of the best books that ever been written on texas politics uh, it's called The Establishment in Texas Politics, and he actually talks about the emergence and the development of this social Darwinist ideology among the Texas corporate elite and political elite going back to the 1930s uh, as a response and a reaction against the, the New Deal during the Great Depression. Yeah, And as he describes it, he's always said, you know, Texas conservatism is what he calls exceptionally virulent form of social Darwinism. Yeah. And as we've talked about before, in many ways, this is the vanguard of the Republican Party. This is the direction that it is headed. Uh, and we know, you know that both DeSantis and Greg Abbott plan to run for president in the next election. right? Or at least are positioning themselves to be Trump's vice presidential candidate. So this is where they, they are taking the Republican Party. And it is a retrograde resurrection of essentially a 19th century political ideology, social Darwinism. Survival of the fittest.
0: Okay. Corporate America. We always talk about, you know, corporate America, which wants to survive and thrive, sell products, sell services, sell goods. What's corporate America's take on this form of social Darwinism, capitalism that DeSantis and Abbott are practicing? You know, Texas, is, we've discussed numerous times, a, a very wealthy, corporately uh, oriented state. What does business think of this? Well, it's split. Uh, As we've talked about before, there is,
1: you know, a a group of companies out there. Yesterday, Tyson was the one with the most recent announcement, has something like 12,000 employees in the state of Texas. They've mandated masks and vaccinations for their frontline employees, right? They they mandated vaccinations. This is the kind of stuff that drives Greg Abbott crazy, (laughs) right? Because he purports to be talking for business, and he's essentially saying to them, you know, you fools, right? capitalists are driven by short-term profit in the process you don't realize that you're undermining the foundations of the very economic system that allows you to make profit here he's saying i'm trying to save you from yourself but there's a point at which lots of and in in fact of course you know i talked about the war on cities also yesterday in houston uh the mayor of houston which is a, a comparatively progressive city by Texas standards, finally just defied the governor and said, I don't care what decrees you issue. You know, we're going to take action to protect our
0: citizens, and I dare you to stop me. I believe the mayor of Miami did the exact same thing to DeSantis, said, you're out of your mind. You don't know what you're talking about. We are in a serious crisis here, and we're not going to listen to a word you have to say. Yeah, and and that may be
1: where this finally ends up because in all of these Republican-controlled states, you know, they talk about they love political decentralization. Yeah, uh, except that the cities tend to be controlled by liberal Democrats. They tend to be, uh, you know, ethnic enclaves, enclaves of the poor and the working class, and they're moving politically in a different direction than these kind of exurbs and rural areas in these states. That are sub- the political base for these ultra right wing Republicans. And so you really do have kind of this war against the cities and the pandemic has sort of brought that to a head, brought it to a crisis. And I think you'll increasingly see local governments just break out and say,
0: you know, we have an obligation to protect our citizen.
1: We really don't care what you say.
0: Right. So big picture here is Marx did foresee this sort of contradiction in capitalism. He did see that capitalism had an irrational side to it, a, a side that didn't respond to crises well. And the other two people, and I'm going to ask you to Perhaps post the three books that you've talked about uh, onto our uh, out of the box website so that people can read about the two political German theorists that you're that you're talking about, and also the person who wrote the book about uh, Texas. I think those are fascinating things that somebody might want to follow up on. I certainly would like to read read the two theorists that are writing about this today. So this is not unusual from a Marxist perspective to have capitalism at war with itself, digging its own grave, creating its own internal contradictions, and just defying kind of like, you know, common sense and an understanding of the greater good.
1: Yeah, but one correction I want to make, uh, I wouldn't characterize it as irrational.
0: Greg Abbott and Ron
1: DeSantis think they're acting in a very rational way. That's right. To save capitalism and to save the overall system. Uh, It appears to us as irrational from outside their perspective, right, from the perspective of those who say, hey, what's wrong with universal basic income? What's wrong with universal health care? What's wrong, right, with child allowances and all these other things that we're doing? We'd like to see more of that.
0: That looks very rational to us. That
1: looks crazy to Ron DeSantis.
0: Right. And what's not crazy to Ron DeSantis is let's get on a cruise ship. We don't want to test anybody. We don't want to mandate anything. Let's just all get on a cruise ship and get COVID. That's rational? (laughs) From their ideological standpoint,
1: that's the capitalist system, right? It's a system of personal and individual responsibility.
0: Right. Well- you know, if that's the case, and you're certainly making that argument, and, and there, I've written some things about this per, the, the, this personal responsibility issue, it really is then back to what we just said earlier: social Darwinism. If their followers or their believers don't, you know, want to take precautions or get vaccinated, and they get sick and die. Um, it's like DeSantis doesn't care. I mean, that's just like, you know, they should go by the wayside. I mean, even if they're Trump supporters, now that seems irrational. You said that they were rational before. Yep. And yeah, it's a rational ideology until somebody, you know, who could vote for them and Trump dies. Then <laughs> it's not so rational.
1: Well, rationality is determined from within the ideological framework that you're working in. Uh, but let me, before we go here, add one last component to this that I talked about when we discussed the the doctrine of Christo fascism in in Texas that is related to this. Keep in mind that for a social Darwinist, their view is that the laws of the marketplace, the survival of the fittest is a law of nature. Right. And where do laws of nature come from? According to them, they come from God. So when you adopt these so-called socialist policies, you're not just engaged in bad public policy you're engaged in sin. You're literally defying the will of God. And how many times have we heard these ultra-conservative supporters of Trump out there say, well, if COVID takes me, it's the will of God. So, you know, religion is also part of the background
0: to this ideology. Wow. Okay, Clyde, that is really interesting and brings me to a tangent that I'm going to try to articulate you know when we had katrina and sandy in new york and obviously in new orleans there were enormous voices on the christian right that said this is retribution for sin you know new orleans is a sin city everything goes new york is the is a bastion of god knows what sexual political uh, sin and this is god's wrath on these places so now we have this epidemic that's killing rural uneducated christian individuals at a much greater rate right now than uh, middle-class white professionals. How come we don't hear anybody on the Christian right talking about God's retribution for these sins, or we don't have left-wing pastors or anybody saying the opposite? This is God's retribution on, on those that voted for Donald Trump. It's interesting how ideological they can get when there's a tragedy in the urban areas, but they're silent when there's a tragedy in their own backyard.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. But if I want to add another component to this as well is the book of Revelations. You know, yeah. what are one of the signs of the coming of Jesus? It's plagues. <laughs> and so, you know, if you put yourself within that sort of evangelical framework of the rapture and the coming of Jesus, these
0: are all good things because these are all signs that the coming is near. That's not in the Communist Manifesto. That's in the Book of Revelation, right?
1: (laughs) Well, it is, but Marx did, you know, Marx's early career was spent entirely engaged in the critique of religion, which he saw as one of the fundamental, you know, cultural elements of capitalism,
0: right? Remember, he said it's the opium of the people. Right. Well, now we have the Olympics, as you pointed out earlier. (laughs) So please, let's wrap up. But this is really, really interesting, as always. Where does it go from here? Where, where, as DeSantis and Abbott, um, it looks like Asia Hutchinson in, in, in Arkansas has kind of realized the error of his ways. As too many of his citizens are are sick and dying, and his hospitals are overwhelmed. So he's like sort of like backtracking on his previous no masks freedom mandate. Are these two going to be isolated, or are they? You say they know what they're doing and they're rational. What do you predict is going to be the fallout from their their stances? Yeah, I don't think they're going to be isolated. You pointed out the governor of Arkansas sort
1: of backtrack, but you still have places like Missouri and Arizona, which are also having a surge, and and they're on the same track. So there is a very strong and powerful current, probably the, the main current within the Republican Party now that subscribes to the views being espoused by people like DeSantis and Abbott. So I think at least in those states, they're going to continue down the same path. you know. And at this point, all Joe Biden has been able to do is say, would you guys either do something nice or get out of my way? And they made it very clear, no, we're going to get right in your way. <laughs> we're yeah. going to stop you because... We're trying to save capitalism. We're trying to stop socialism.
0: Right. Okay. Well, stay tuned. It's going to be an interesting next few weeks and months as capitalism plays out with the COVID epidemic. Thank you so much for sharing your insights through the Marxist lens. Thank you. Thanks, Clyde. Listeners, thanks again for tuning in to Out of the Box with Jonathan Russo. Your input is valuable to us, and we'd really like to hear from you please send us an email anytime with feedback at Russo at gmail.com and follow us on our Twitter page, Russo. This has been a copyrighted production of Grapevine Incorporated. All rights reserved.